In today's economic climate, it is very hard to know what to do with your money. Every financial move is a choice. Sometimes they are good choices, and you will reap the rewards of success. Sometimes they are bad choices, which can leave you in financial ruin if you make too many. Welcome to The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. Our program will help you to make the good choices and avoid the bad. Now, here is Gordon Bennett. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Gordon Bennett. Welcome you back to The Path to Financial Freedom. I am honored today to have with us the author, Daniel Goldie. He has written a remarkable book, uh, The Investment Answer. And the thing that's remarkable about it in my mind is it's thin, it's lucid, it's easy to read, and it's powerful. And we're just so pleased to have him with us today. And I'd like to start out by asking Dan, what motivated you to read, write this book? Well, Gordon, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Um, the motivation for the book really came from my co-author, Gordon Murray. He, for years, wanted to write something that would be, as you said, very uh, concise and easy to read for the for the everyday investor, particularly the person who wouldn't normally pick up an investment book. We wanted this to be understandable and attracted to that group of people because that's the you know the majority of folks and. He really wanted to help people. That was the story of his life, and that's that's that was the genesis of the book, was his desire to give back. What were some of the things that you saw where people were struggling? Uh, you know, you talk about the books that are out there, and there, there's certainly no shortage of books out there. Most of them are thicker than I care to wade through. But what were some of the struggles you saw people having with trying to – the thing I'm impressed about your book is the way to get started. There's a, there's a – uh, a barrier in our minds to getting involved with money is not something we're com- comfortable with. What were the things you were seeing that were making it hard for people just to get started? Well, I think um, with with most investment books, and I'm guilty of writing one myself back in the late '90s. Um, they're just they're too long and too complicated, most of them, and and um, they're very well written. A lot of these books and informative, but most people just won't pick them up and read them. Or at least read them through through to the end. <laughs> and so, uh, with my former, the first book I wrote, I usually tell people, I used to tell them, well, read the first two or three chapters, and and you'll you'll be you know good to go. Uh, and what makes so much, you know what makes it hard for folks is they I think they get intimidated. The language of Wall Street is um, different, and uh, it doesn't have to be the case. I mean, investing does not have to be overly complicated. It can be straightforward. You just need some basic information and um, the tools to implement the right decisions, and hopefully a, a coach or an advisor to help you if that's if that's what you choose to to do. Yeah, and, and I think think you've put your finger on it there. The the language is somewhat intimidating, and the thing I have found, and I, I think you probably would feel the same way. I, I've picked up a whole lot of books, and I've read these things, and I vaguely understood them. But then I said, now what do I do? There was no call to action. There was, oh, this is the next step, or these are the ABCs of how to get started. It was a lot of information, but I found myself wanting with, what can I do with this information? Uh, you're, you've boiled it down to five decisions. Um, those decisions, uh, if you don't make those decisions, they're made for you, or you're, uh, the absence of the decisions is one form of decision. And what I'd like to do today is, just go over the five. They're so simple. Um, 
and get your take on each of them. The first decision is, are you going to do it yourself or are you going to get a professional? Um, why doesn't do-it-yourself work? Let's start with that comment. <laughs> well, I think that do-it-yourself can work, but it doesn't work very well for most people. And that's because most people, you know, we're all normal human beings and we have lives and we have other interests. And most people aren't really um, investment experts and don't want to make investing their their primary role in, in life or their primary um, hobby in, in life. And um, so for most people, really, um, it's just something that you really uh, think need help with so that you get it right. It's not an area, I mean, the stakes are very high, let's face it, when it comes with your to your personal finances. You don't want to make a mistake. And um, the other thing is that just just human emotions being what they are tends to make us poor investors. We tend to get excited when markets go up, and that's when we want to buy, and we tend to panic when markets go down, and that's when we want to sell. So we end up buying high and selling low all too often, and this is confirmed by data, mutual fund data and other types of data, that people, unfortunately, make poor choices, and it's not really our fault. We're not taught about investments in school, and we're all human beings. We have these emotions that tend to work against us, and like I say, most of us want to have lives outside of just focusing on investing. So getting someone to help you, if you find the right person who's really in your on your side of the table and, and um, not trying to sell you product, but actually trying to give you advice and help you, I think um, you know people can have a successful investment experience. It's a uh... Uh, it's kind of like a parallel I see. I overestimate my ability to do things. Uh, one of the rules I wrote a long time ago is don't try to fix your own plumbing if the hardware store is closed. We find out how little we know. And your comment with the high stakes, the older you are, the less time you have to rectify those mistakes. So the idea of having a professional keep you from your own worst judgment uh I think is one of the strong reasons for not doing it yourself or at least having a person there uh, in parallel with you. Um, one of the things that you, you mentioned that's also I think people need to understand, the bias that creeps into the advisor you seek if their interest isn't your interest. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the use of an independent fiduciary versus someone who is also selling product? Well, sure. The, the financial services industry is primarily a sales industry, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, all industries have to sell product or services to make money, and that's how our economy works. And with investing, we just need to be aware that the majority of the industry is, in fact, selling investment products. And so the interest of the person selling you that investment product may not necessarily be 100% aligned with your interests. And so I think as a consumer of investment advice, I want to make sure that, that my advisor is as aligned with my interests as possible. And I think the best way to ensure that that's going to be the case is to hire someone who is an independent fee-only advisor. Independent meaning working only for you, being paid only by you as a client, not being paid to sell a particular type of investment or investment product or being paid more to sell one thing over another or advise you to do one thing rather than another. 
They should be paid by you and only by you. And um, ideally, they would be working um, solely in your interest, meaning that they're not being dictated to by a, uh, a boss or a firm that has a particular investment philosophy that you have to follow. They should be following an investment philosophy that they think is right for you. And it's hard to find, but they're out there, and it's a growing number of people. Uh, and, and I subscribe to that as well. I've uh, told a lot of people and shared with the idea that if you get paid for something, it's hard to eliminate the bias in your judgments. That's not to say people are unethical. There are a lot of life insurance salesmen who are very knowledgeable about estate planning, which they like to do. But if you get paid for selling a life insurance policy, there's a high probability it will show up in the estate plan, even though it objectively is a very good plan. Uh, when we were in the, uh, I spent some time in the trust department of a bank, and we would always see the conflict, and it was a conflict, between a pecuniary uh, opportunity and a fiduciary interest. And the money always won. And so the way to protect yourself is to take the money off the table and, as you said, have a fee-paid advisor whose only interest is in taking care of you. Another. Yeah, that's the, the, the best way to, in my view, to um, ensure that, that you've got someone who's most likely just looking out for your interests. And if you get rid of the financial incentives to do other things, that goes a long way toward, um, you know, ensuring that you've got the right person there thinking only about what's best for you. Yeah, it, it takes it off the table. You don't have to think yeah. about it. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it. You isolate yourself and you make a value judgment that way. The, the other point I would like to make about the do-it-yourself, it doesn't mean that you turn over the decision-making to someone else. I like to see the relationship as a partnership or a coaching relationship and that the more you learn, the more you know with your own wealth, the better equipped you are to work productively with the professional who's keeping you on track. Uh, you want to comment on that? Oh, I, I certainly agree with that. I think that um, one of the hallmarks of a top advisor is the um, emphasis on education and, and teaching clients, educating clients, so that... Um, there is a, a truly collabor collaborative relationship going on so that um, the advisor is not telling the client what to do. The advisor is advising the client, educating the client, and together decisions are made. Um, I think that ultimately is, is in the best interest of the, the client, and I think it makes for the best relationship. Well, it also makes your job easier. I mean, uh, you can't read somebody else's mind. And I, in reading your book, each chapter says, with your advisor, these are the decisions you together have to make. Right. And it is a collaborative effort, and I think that's one of the strengths of your, your book is it shows a person how to work with an advisor, and they both benefit from it. You get more productivity out of the advisor. It makes the advisor's life easier and probably more successful. And uh, uh, I think there's a satisfaction index there. And so uh, the do-it-yourself decision my bias is you're better off with professional help. The second decision that you come up, and we've got a few minutes here before the next break, uh, is how are you going to asset your assets? Al asset allocation is a chapter heading. Give us a introduction to asset allocation. Well, so now we're moving into once you know once you've decided what you're, whether you're going to 
invest on your own or not, then you've got to make the first decision about investing, which is really the most important one in terms of uh, the determination of what your long-term risk and return characteristics are going to be of your portfolio, is basically using the broad asset classes of uh, stocks, bonds, and cash, how are you going to allocate your money across those three categories? And the primary decision is how much of your money do you want to have in risky assets, stock market, real estate, and stocks? And that decision, believe it or not, will determine the vast majority of your subsequent return and risk that you, that you get in your portfolio. And so that becomes um, a very, very important decision right off the bat. I, I have discovered, as we come into the break time here in just about a minute, um, a lot of people don't even understand the difference between the classes of uh, investment, the difference between an equity and a debt. Uh-huh. And I think p- part of the education process is to learn what they are, where you have someone owing you money, which is debt, and where you have an ownership interest, which is where you have a different kind of risk. And when we come back from taking a break, I'd like you to high point the various kinds of risks you have. You've done a great job up in the book, speaking of credit risk and, and the like. And uh, let's move on then as to why those are important in helping make the asset uh, allocation. Back okay, so in a minute. Are we going to go to break now? We're going to go to break right now. Okay. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We are in the midst of a global sovereign debt crisis that could lead to the ultimate risk for the world economy, the removal of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. What will this event really mean to the markets? And more importantly, what does it mean for you and your family? Listen to Global Currency Watch with your host, Stephen Ayer, to get a full and objective look at the world's sovereign debt crisis and help you prepare for when the crisis envelops the United States. Global Currency Watch airs live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. We're back with uh, Dan Goldie talking about his spectacular book, The Investment Answer, and his infinite wisdom. And I, I say that uh, sincerely because... 
you've taken the time to digest the essence and make it simple to understand. And by the way, is your book available as an audio book? Yes, it's available as an audio book. Um, I, I believe it, at most of the online bookstores, probably all the online bookstores, would have both the, uh, the hardcover, the ebook, and the audio book. I, I would certainly recommend if somebody's commuting to and from work and they want to get a leg up on investment decisions, it would make a great audio book. Uh, it's so simply worded. It's easy to understand, and uh, you wouldn't be, you know, overwhelmed uh, with technical talk. And I would think you listen to a chapter a day, you'd have a really fantastic audio adventure there. We were talking about asset allocation and dividing your. Uh, assets into various classes, the equities and the debt instruments. Why is it important? Well, as I said before the break, um, you know, it determines the vast majority of your risk and return going forward. And um, the percentage of your money that you put in risky assets and equities and things that represent ownership of companies and businesses and perhaps real estate, you know, that's going to determine... Um, the majority of your return is, is going to come from, in the long run, ownership assets. Uh, that's where the risk is. That's where the volatility is. It's not comfortable a lot of the times, but over the long run, that's where the higher returns are. And um, so for really any investor, particularly younger investors, we need to make sure we have enough equity investments so that our portfolios grow at a sufficient rate over the rate of inflation that we can accomplish our financial goals. And um, the fixed income portion of the portfolio is also very important, and that really the primary focus or, or a purpose of fixed income is to provide a dampening effect on the risk of the equity side. So fixed income assets don't really give you a very high rate of return. In fact, historically, Fixed income investments, we're talking about CDs, money markets, bonds, municipal bonds, government bonds. The return on those is typically not much higher than the rate of inflation. Uh, but they, particularly if you buy short maturity, high quality bonds, the, 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 the risk level is very low. You're, you're not going to see a lot of volatility there, and that should dampen the risk of stocks. And so it's important to have both in your portfolio so you have growth potential, but also the fixed income in there to manage the overall risk. Yeah, and I think uh, I think people start to catch on to this very quickly. Uh, obviously, the the risk most riskless thing is money that you know you'll get back. A certificate deposit with a bank is guaranteed, and it's going to mature, and you're going to get it all back. Whereas if you buy an equity, uh, we have what's called market risk, and that is somebody tomorrow may not want to pay you the same amount of money. Uh, that you paid for it, you've lost value. On the other hand, if the company or the equity does well, you get some appreciation, and there's no opportunity for appreciation in a bond or a uh, fixed income investment. And that's I right. think that that's, exactly you know, that's right. why why you try to uh, asset allocation. So what do you have to have in the way of growth, and what's your life cycle style? And uh, it's part of your own the other risk that you need to talk about is personal appetite for risk. Uh, how important is that? <laughs> well, it's very important no. because if you, for example, pick a portfolio that is too aggressive for your risk appetite, if you will, your tolerance for risk, um, then what will likely happen is when the bad times come, and of course they will come at some point, 
and and the equity markets go down in value um, what what would likely happen if you if you have a portfolio that's too aggressive for your your risk profile is you may panic and sell at just the wrong time and that's what happens to so many people is they end up overreaching during the good times and then when the bad times come they end up selling out usually after the decline and so again that's that buy high sell low phenomenon that we see so often so what i tell my clients is you know we we need to spend a lot of time up front looking through historical data and really making sure we make the right choice at the outset in terms of what percentage of your money should go into risky assets and what percentage should go into fixed income so that we don't take too much risk or too little. The problem with taking the, too little uh, risk, of course, is that you're leaving essentially leaving money on the table in the long run. You're, you're taking a portfolio that's too, too um, conservative, and uh, you could have perhaps made more money in the longer run if you had been more aggressive. So and this is getting, a, that, getting that right is, is important. Well, it's important in an inflationary or increasing prices. You can't keep up with what things cost if you don't make some money on the money you have invested. You aren't working for you. It's money working for you. Um, and this goes back to the do-it-yourself thing. We all have this herd instinct. Uh, we take advice from strange people, our next-door neighbor, while we're mowing lawn. Did you hear about it? And we induce this panic. You better do this because he's doing it. And one of the reasons to not do it yourself or have a financial advisor is it provides a check against these emotional reactions to swings against where we think we are in our investment portfolio. So I think these are interrelated as well as individual decisions. The yeah, third decision... True. And in fact, um, having an advisor, you know, an impartial advisor who can give you, um, keep you on the straight and narrow, if you will, and keep you disciplined um, can really help because you know nowadays with the internet and the 24/7 news cycle and the incredible amount of information that's pushed out to us as you know just in our everyday lives, it's, you know, and the media um, is not paid to to. I mean, they're they're trying to sell advertising, so they're paid to kind of get you riled up. And so my feeling is that a lot of times what you're reading and hearing. From the from the media is an an extreme view of some news event or something, and it will cause many people to make an extreme decision about their money, either to panic and sell, or to rush and buy, or to do something that perhaps they should not do. And having the advisor there to go to to say, "Hey, I read this, or I heard about this, or what do you think about this?" The advisor then can give you you know the straight story. It's the same reason you have a family doctor. You know, you can get your neighbor, you've got a lump on your arm or something, and the doctor can tell you one thing. Your neighbor could say, you know what I think this is. Most of us would prefer to have the professional make those decisions when the stakes are very high. And as you've already mentioned, the stakes are high in making the wrong decisions with our own money. And so we need to have that professional advisor looking at each of these elements, the asset allocation, whether we're doing it ourselves or not. Decision number three is diversification. I find that people have a lot of misunderstanding about diversification, so I'm going to let you hold forth on talk to me about diversification. Yeah, well, so diversification really, um, what what some people will, will think about when you say diversification is, well, okay, holding lots of things in your portfolio, lots of stocks or 
lots of different, you know, lots of investments in your portfolio. And what really matters is um, that you're holding different types of things in your portfolio, things that behave differently and respond differently to various economic events. So you want the the correlation is is the word that a lot of professionals use. You want the correlation between the different investments in your portfolio to be low. You don't want everything to go up and down together. And so by holding a variety of different asset classes, uh, different types of investment categories in your portfolio, you can help yourself out a lot by reducing a little bit of the risk and enhancing the return um, by holding these different asset categories. So you can break the equity asset class into different categories. You can break fixed income into different categories. And by investing in all those things, you do get some diversification benefits, and it smooths the ride out, makes it more comfortable. Let me ask you, how do you find out if something is correlated with something else? I'm making a case for the professional's job. (laughs) Well, you you would look through historical data, and you would mathematically calculate um, how how often well how much movement of one is explained by the other, and um, not hard to do. You just have to have the data, and you need some sort of program to calculate the correlation number. Uh, but well, in in layman's terms, you just you, again you want things that don't move together most of the time. Now there are times I have to say where particularly in, in extreme market conditions, when, when the stock market is going down heavily, normally all the equity categories are going to go down together, and the correlations rise dramatically during these extreme times. We saw that in, in 08, 09, when all the stock market areas of the world all went down together. But over the long run, over most market cycles, you see that uh, these, these equity markets don't all move in lockstep. They, they tend to move in different slightly differently, and there is there is a diversification benefit from that. Um, you mentioned all you have to do is. Those are the worst words in the world. I find I have a computer, and I ask my guru, how do I do something? He says, all you have to do is, and it's usually a whole lot more complicated than the professional makes it seem. What I'm seeing here in this diversification area is a real strong case for having a professional advisor. Yes, maybe I can learn to analyze the correlation between all of these investments. It means I would have to do a lot of work. I would have to do it consistently. I would have to do it in depth. And I think just the time element of doing that and the probability of getting it wrong says this is really a strong area to work in conjunction with your advisor, understanding it and then saying, how does this fit together? Talk to me about this correlation. I think this is a very much under-talked about area, and I think it's you've done a magnificent job on explaining. Uh, yeah, well, thank you. Yes, sense? and also, if, even if you put in all the time and effort to calculate these, these figures, you have to know how to interpret it and how to then take that information and, and use it effectively in building a portfolio and managing it going forward, yeah. which is not easy. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm going to recommend to somebody, learn as much as you can about it. Understand it. And the more you understand it, the more in-depth you develop your own knowledge, the more you're going to appreciate and respect the the judgment and the discussions you have with your professional advisor, and you'll see what's being done. You'll see how this is being structured. 
Um, we're coming up on a, about 10, 15 seconds to have a break. What I want to do after the break is move into the next sector, which is decision number four, and that is do we want an active or a passive lifestyle with our money? Back in a minute. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. During the break, Dan and I were talking about some of the other elements of uh, investing and the use of an advisor. And I was reminded the importance in a family situation of everybody being involved. Uh, we have a friend who was quite well off and financially uh, savvy. And the family had decided that he was in charge of the money and she never familiarized herself with the goings-on of the money. And uh, she just felt that was the man's job. He passed away, and six months after he passed away, she received a letter from the IRS informing her that all of her assets were about to be seized because income taxes hadn't been piled for the past three years. That's a terrifying kind of a letter to get. So I can't stress enough, and I, I would like Dan's take on this as well, it's important, and particularly the more assets that you have, the riskier it becomes for anybody who's going to either be inheriting these or managing the affairs to be familiar with what's going on. And this is an ideal place to be using a professional advisor. 
the person doesn't have to get personally involved in the short term on a day basis, but the familiarity of it and the interrelationship of the parties means when a tragedy happens or one of the partners passes, the transition is a lot safer, a lot smoother, to say nothing about the tax implications in today's world of proper investment advice. And I think everybody in the family needs to be in on the decision-making. And Dan, I'd kind of like your take on that. Yes, well, I agree. And um, I think the most common scenario that I see with my clients who, who are couples that, that come in, usually one person in the um, in the marriage is is the money person so to speak and they they're really the one that are that's most interested in handling the money and the other person really doesn't could care less and um, having an advisor helps to um, ensure that there's longevity to the portfolio and that if something happens to the person who's really most involved the portfolio will continue on and and the surviving spouse can then it will not be affected. The, the the portfolio will continue uninterrupted. And uh, the same thing is true, I think, for children as they grow up and become adults. Um, if there's an advisory relationship, it's it's very easy for the client to then introduce the children as they become adults into this educational process about money. And um, it's so important to learn these things early so that you take advantage of a lifetime of compounding effects and smart decision-making, and you do your kids a great favor by teaching them about money early on. And you can use a family advisor to help do that. If, uh, and all of us who are working in this field have horror stories they can point out where if you had only done this instead of this, here's the implications, and sometimes these are huge financial uh, things. Uh, the Even the form in which you hold real estate uh it, it, the tax consequences. And the other piece of that, that that strikes me is most people have different habits from their spouses. You've got a, a money spender and a money saver. You've got different lifestyles. And, you know, it's not uncommon for me to have heard a wife say that her husband's reckless and uh, uh, his judgment is flawed or she has some suspicion that he knows what he's doing when it comes to their money. The advisor while not intending to be, sort of becomes a dampening effect on that. And a uh, uh, a marriage counselor, I hate to suggest that, but the idea is it takes away a lot of the emotions and the interaction between the parties, and they're looking at someone they both can respect as an independent, neutral uh, person in the judgment factor, and so it de-stresses their life. So uh, I think there's a real case to be made for getting everybody involved in the financial decision and using the guidance of a professional we're back to decision number four in the book do you want to have an active or a passive uh, investment philosophy dan well so um here basically once once you've come up with your investment plan you know how you're going to allocate your money and so forth and you've either hired an advisor or decided to do this on your own well now you've got to decide how are you going to implement this this plan that you have? Are you going to use investments that are actively managed or investments that are passively managed? And uh, most people, when they hear the word passive, they think, oh, well, active must be better. Passive is, is basically doing nothing. But in fact, um, if you look at studies of historical returns, uh, the vast majority of these studies um, show that by, by merely capturing market returns, using some sort of passive vehicle. The most common would be an index fund or 
an exchange-traded fund that, that tracks a particular market index. If you invest that way, uh, because the costs are lower and the results are more reliable, uh, you'll probably uh, have a much better investment experience. And um, that's not to say that active investing is, is, bad inv- is bad investing. In fact, that's the traditional way to invest. But we have to realize that in today's world, markets are very efficient, and it's very, very difficult for an active mutual fund manager or an active uh, investor of any type to have consistently better than market returns, particularly after costs and taxes. And as more and more data gets crunched by researchers, you know, this theme becomes re- reinforced again and again. And so um, I, I advise investors to take a passive uh, stance with their portfolio, which means nothing more than for each asset class that you're going to invest in, you're going to try to find a vehicle that reliably captures that return. And if you can... In the big picture long run, if you as an investor can capture market returns over a long period of time, you will not only reach any reasonable investment goal, but you'll outperform the vast majority of everybody else. And it's um, well, as by simple definition, as that, really. By definition, everything is half under the average and half above the average. You know, yep. I once heard somebody say that uh, the graduates of a certain college – Ninety percent of them alleged they were in the top ten percent, <laughs> and we know that's impossible. And so the idea here is that if you are even with the world, you aren't going to be all that bad off. And the odds are that if you try to beat the world, the cost and anxiety of doing that, the odds are that you you won't have that success. Uh, your book, you say, and I'll quote you: "We believe it is impossible." to predict ahead of time when the best or the worst days will occur. And if you take yourself into the active role, you're going to be trying to anticipate timing. Oh, is it going up? Is it going down? Is today the day? How about next Monday? Maybe I'll wait till Thursday. I think I'll ask my gardener over the weekend. And simply by taking the mental attitude is I'm not chasing uh, small moves in the marketplace. You re- reduce the anxiety, and you simultaneously increase the probability of success. That's my judgment call on that. Um, and yeah, I think that's I, what you say. I say I think I think there's, you... there's two elements to this that would apply to most people. One is that um, if you look at the data, it really appears that it's not possible to forecast future market movements. And, and of course, this is because market prices already contain expectations about the future. And there's nothing more that that you or I or any other investor really can add to that equation that's going to add value consistently. So we're better off just accepting market prices as being accurate and, and not try to forecast when markets are going to go up or down or what they're going to do in the future. It's, it's, it's quite clear from the data that that's very difficult, if not impossible, to do. And then the second element of active investing that most people get caught up in is, is trying to find that investment manager or that mutual fund that has this great track record, which will then carry forth into the future above market return. And the evidence is that that just does not happen, that past performance is not indicative of future performance, and there's no reliable way to ferret out those future 
star mutual funds or star money managers. And there's a number of ways to illustrate this that we didn't go into in the book, but um, it's, this is a, something that's been demonstrated again and again using all kinds of data. So people really should just accept market returns, and um, that doing that will give them, as I say, they'll reach their any reasonable financial goal, and they'll do better than the vast majority of the professionals and, and everybody else that's trying to invest in markets. And you sleep better. <laughs> I would agree with that, too. Let, let me clarify something here that so we don't get any misunderstanding, though. When we say active versus passive, we're not suggesting passive in the sense that you're going to ignore your holdings or ignore your distributions or the diversification. We're saying that your state of mind is not that I'm chasing things on a short interval basis. Yes, you're going to watch everything you have. If there are some catastrophic events taking place that would impact the decisions you made in the past, obviously you should make some corrections. But the point of being active or passive is not, I'm just going to give it and put it over here and I'm going to ignore it for 30 years, although that would certainly be a passive approach. Uh, it means the philosophic approach is I'm not going to try to do timing or individual selection on a short interval basis. Is that a fair way to put that? Yeah, I would say you know, even even you know, like to summarize it more succinctly would be you're not going if you're going to invest passively you're not going to try to forecast the future you're going yeah. to accept I, market returns. What I tell people is you know if you can capture market returns and most people do not you know, the vast majority get far below market returns. If you can just capture market returns, that means you know not making mistakes by trying to forecast where markets are going or trying to uh, find the hot manager and so forth. Um, just just take what the markets give you, and you will have a very successful investment experience over the long run. Over the long run, and, and time has to be on your side on this. Um, Short-term decisions are usually bad decisions uh, in lots of phases in life. I went to an investment seminar a couple of years back. And it was a three-day, bring all the heavy hitters, all the newsletter writers, all the, the pundits, all the uh, the heavy-hitting economists. And they ran their one-hour workshops with overheads and slides. And it was a fascinating experience. And I'm sitting on the plane coming home and looking at the title of each of the seminars and listening to the or reviewing their notes. And I realized that every single session was focused primarily on reading tea leaves or forecasting the future and you know what nobody's figured out how to make the crystal ball work reliably yet and i think that's the case for the passive investment even even warren buffett has said in the past that he thinks for most individual investors using an index type of fund portfolio makes the most sense when we come back and we've wrapped up uh, number four we're going to go to decision number five that we have to make in our investment life and that decision is how do we rebalance our portfolio on a periodic basis. Back after the break. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network.
Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need about wealth. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is The Path to Financial Freedom with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Dan, before we get started on the fifth decision, which is rebalancing your assets, uh, where is it people can buy the book? You've said earlier it's available in most of the bookstores. I imagine it's on Amazon. Do you have a website? Or is there any other things that you'd like to suggest people visit? Um, yeah, uh, there's a website for the book. It's called uh, theinvestmentanswerbook.com. And you can go there and you can see all kinds of information about the book. You can see my uh, co-author and his many interviews um, with the media and uh, lots of other things about the you know the backstory behind the book, which is really quite quite interesting and, and amazing. Uh, we haven't talked about that much, but um, people can learn about that from the website. And it is at every bookstore: Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you name it. You should be able to find it there. And it's the investmentanswer.com. The investmentanswerbook.com. Investmentanswerbook.com. I can't recommend it. Highly enough, everybody needs to have it as a basic tool of their investment life. Uh, remember, you're a millionaire. If you leave high school and take the average job, you will have over a million dollars to go through your paycheck before you retire. So you need to think like a millionaire, which means you need to invest in yourself by knowing about investments. There is no better book to get started than Daniel Goldie's The Investment Answer. So be sure to get a copy of it. and. Uh, I think you're going to find it very, very stimulating. So we're on to decision number five. Remember, there's only five decisions you have to make to take charge of your life, and this is rebalancing your portfolio. Uh, Dan, I'll let you explain that to us. Yeah, so rebalancing, so if you're going to follow the investment answer approach to, to managing your money, you're going to have uh, some sort of portfolio allocation that you've decided to follow. And what will happen over time is markets will move, and your actual allocation will change over time. And periodically, we need to rebalance 
our mix back to our original allocation target. So, for example, if we decide at the beginning that we are going to have 60% of our money in stocks and 40% of our money in fixed income, and the stock market has a good run for a year or two, we might end up with 65 or 70% of our money in stocks. And periodically, we need to rebalance and sell some of those stock positions and get back to the 60-40 mix that we started with. Now, this sounds simple enough, but it's very difficult to do. And the reason is that rebalancing always has you selling whatever has done the best recently. And you're buying whatever has done the worst recently. So take 0809, for example, when the stock market went down so precipitously. When you're rebalancing, what you're doing, of course, in a situation like that is you're buying stocks because the stocks are underperforming. The percentage you have in stocks is now probably going to be lower than your target. So you're buying stocks when they're down. Very difficult to do. Most people want to sell at that point. And so re- rebalancing is actually counterintuitive. It does, you're doing the opposite of what your emotions tell you to do. But it's so important. If you rebalance, we, do, we give you an example in the book over 20 years where a rebalanced portfolio does about a percent a year better in return than a non-rebalanced portfolio, and it actually has uh, a little bit less risk, a little less volatility. So rebalancing does help you, and it is important. Otherwise, your portfolio is just, just drifting. The uh, uh, the counterintuitive thing goes back again to the very beginning, the do-it-yourself or don't-do-it-yourself. If you're going to be faced with rebalancing, it's something you sometimes want to say, I'm going to have to do this in a couple of weeks and sort of steal yourself up for the uh, emotional trauma of having to sell something you've fallen in love with. And this is where your financial advisor can keep you on an even keel because you've learned to trust that. You understand that this is an integrated process. And if you don't do it, you're inviting a mistake and you might as well forget doing it at all. Uh, I think it's a very difficult thing. As you said, it's very easy to explain, but, uh, it goes against the grain because what you've been successful at is what you're stopping doing. <laughs> the concept is simple, but actually doing it is very difficult. And in, in our practice here, we automatically rebalance portfolios. We don't ask people first. And we, we know that if we ask somebody, they're going to want to think about it, and then they're not going to want to do it. And <laughs> if you do it automatically, it just takes all that emotion out of the equation. And then, what, and you've done, you've laid the groundwork for that in your early relationships. Say one of the things we will be doing for you, how we earn our fee, yes. is we automatically rebalance your portfolio so you don't have to go through the emotional, uh, problems of doing that. And so it's kind of, uh, added value to why they have you. Yes. In fact, our well, clients actually, they sign an investment policy statement that has an explanation of the rebalancing in it and it's agreed to in writing. So. It's, it's really uh, the most efficient way to do it. It's the only way to ensure that you get the emotions out. And, you know, our own emotions are our, either our best enemy or our worst enemy, and uh, I think the balance is what we're looking for. So let me summarize. We had five decisions that are all you have to learn to make. It's all you have to do. The first one was do it yourself or use a pro. You know where my bias is. The asset allocation. Where are you going to put it? Equities? Debt? Combination thereof and what proportion? The diversification division or decision. How much are you going to scatter the assets around so that one is not, uh, takes the whole house down if it goes down? The active versus the passive decision. 
what what kind of role are you going to be taking in looking at your investments and finally the rebalancing decision now these aren't all the decisions you have to make in your investment life and while we've got a couple of minutes here dan give me a couple of uh thoughts and wisdom from your perspective work you've done with your clients things like gold and hedge funds that people hear about and all these other get rich quick schemes what kind of wisdom can you share with our audience well i think that with a lot of uh things that you might hear about that are very popular you really need to be careful um because again you know when it comes to your money the stakes are very high and if you make a mistake it can be very costly and um and we'll take gold for an example. I really think that um, gold is, is more of a speculation than it is an investment because gold doesn't really you're, – you're, you're betting that in the future someone will be willing to pay more per ounce of gold than you just paid for it. And um, in the meantime, there's no dividends. There's no interest. It's not an operating company. It's just a metal. Uh, Warren Buffett, in his most recent um, – annual letter wrote quite a bit about gold and uh that would be worth reading that's available on the web if anyone wants to check it out um yeah so gold really i think is not something that you need as part of your portfolio it's not really a safe haven in my view because the price of gold is oftentimes as volatile as the stock market a safe haven should be something where the prices are very stable and the risk is very low and gold really is, is, like I say, more of a speculation than an investment. So that's one area where I think it's not that's not a necessary asset class that you, you need as part of your portfolio. And, and the same is true of more exotic investments like uh, private equity and hedge funds and these types of uh, more exotic, higher cost, higher potential returning investments. A lot of times you know, what, what we're seeing now is that uh, the academics have, have started crunching the numbers on, on the data, uh, which is hard to get from, from these asset classes, but the studies that I'm seeing show that really the returns there are not as high as people had thought they were, and the returns are getting lower and lower as, uh, for example, hedge fund investing is becoming more popular. So again, Dan, yes. Dan we're going to have to interrupt you here. Uh, we've got less than a minute to go. Uh, what about people who don't have enough money to justify a financial advisor what should they be doing educating well, I, themselves i think there you can um you know contact one of the big um mutual fund companies like a vanguard or a fidelity or a charles schwab and work with them to build a simple portfolio if you pick up a copy of the investment answer there are sample portfolios in there and you can emulate those portfolios using vanguard funds or fidelity funds or schwab funds and you could even have someone at one of those institutions help you put the portfolio together. That would be a simple way to approximate what we're doing if you don't have the assets to hire somebody. Dan, I appreciate having you on today. I think we, we think alike. Uh, you need to take care of your money. You're responsible for it. Nobody else is. The older you get, the less chance you have to fix your mistakes. And as you build your wealth, look to having a financial advisor. Meanwhile, invest in education. And by all means, buy the book, Daniel Goldie's The Investment Answer. You will be very happy that you did. It is a core book. Everybody needs to have it in their library and read it over and over again. You'll be very happy you did. Thank you so much for joining us, Dan. I know you have a busy life and a lot of clients, and our listeners appreciate your 
insight and wisdom. Have great a great to be with day. you, Gordon. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Path to Financial Freedom. Please join your host, Gordon Bennett, again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, are you going to make a bad choice or a great choice with your money? Come back next week for more.